days. If you haven't already, turn to Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 32, I believe. 33, excuse me. If you don't have your Bible, if you don't have your phone, it's okay. You can cheat. We have it on the screen. But still bring it to church and stuff because that's cool. that's cool too. So let's start reading. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 33. It says this. Again, you have heard it said to those of old. Now, let me pause because I love this, that Jesus throughout this entire chapter that we've discovered, and if you haven't seen any of these messages, I encourage you go back to our YouTube channel or our website. You can see all these messages posted there. And we've gone through the parables. We've gone through all these different storylines and different things. And, and Pastor Chris preached last week on adultery and murder. It was a very encouraging message. It's joyful and cheerful. Uh, no, no, it, it was really good because, because this whole message, Jesus has taken th- what has been said of old, right? The, the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, the original scriptures, what we know of, and he's, he's saying, hey, listen, I didn't come to get rid of that. In fact, I came to fulfill it. I want to give some, some substance to what you already know. I want to take that, and I want to actually apply it to our everyday life, and I want to give it something that you may be able to relate to or apply. And so he's really redirecting this in a right direction. So Jesus is saying, hey, listen, I know you need to, you, you, no, you don't need to murder, and you don't need to have adultery, but it's a root issue. In fact, it's a heart issue. It actually starts and begins with anger and lust. That's what we talked about last week. So Jesus opens up and he says a similar statement yet again. Hey, you've heard of some of the stuff from old that you, not, that you shouldn't swear falsely. But then he continues and he adds to it. But you shall perform your oaths to the Lord. Verse 34. But I say to you, do not swear at all. Some of y'all are saying, dadgummit, I knew I couldn't cuss anymore. I mean, yes, you shouldn't do that either, but that's not necessarily what this is saying. A lot of preachers like to take that out of context. You shouldn't swear. See, I told you, bunch of cussing sailors. No, no, I'm kidding. (laughs) You shouldn't swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for this is the great city of the king. Verse 36, nor shall you swear by your head because you cannot by one hair make it white or black. See, I don't have the white and black problem, the salt and pepper. My hair is just running away from my eyebrows. It is going that way, (laughs) the wrong way. The day you see me bald with a big old fluffy beard, that is the day that I have just given in and saying, you know what, Lord, I commit my spirit to you, my hairline to you. I want to be like Brett LaBeouf. That's it. That's it. No, (laughs) No, but... But you can't do it. Like, no matter what you swear or how you swear by it, like, nothing, nothing is going to come about this. Essentially, Jesus is saying this to understand a little background for what this is going to help us apply today in, in Scripture. What he's saying is, back in that time period, in, that, in those days, people were making these promises essentially that they couldn't keep. Because what was being said was, they would say, hey, I swear to you by this. Or I swear to you, I swear, oh, I swear on God. Or I swear by God. Or I swear to God. You, you see, and I know, like, I could make a promise. But if I ever said that, my mom and daddy, oh, no, you don't. No, you're not swearing by God. Because the Bible says, I was like, whoa, okay, where did the little head nod and the snaps come from? Mama, why are you such a gangster? Okay, um, but this is what happened. Some of y'all laughed. It's okay, I see. Um, so what, what Jesus was essentially saying was, listen, you, you are swearing to a higher power, but what people were doing was they were giving themselves an out and, ex, and an excuse by saying, well, I'm not going to swear by God because if I swear to God, then I've got to do it. You've got to hold me to it. In fact, if I don't do it, it is now punishable. But if I say, well, I swear on heaven, or I swear by Jerusalem, well, that's not as, as holy or as high as God, so you can't necessarily keep me to it. They were giving themselves an excuse and a loophole not to be punished. So, so instead of all of that and that law that they knew of, Jesus says in verse 37, I tell you, just let your yes be yes. Come on, let your no Simply be no. 
Like if you say it, do it. If you say this, mean it. For whatever is more than this is from the evil one. Whatever is, whatever is in addition to this, whatever you're adding, that's not of God. I have someone in my house that is ungodly, unruly. No, I'm not talking about my wife, y'all. That is, that is messed up. Some of y'all are like, mm, no, no, we're not talking about that. No, this one, she is, uh, she's a rascal. She'll get you. She's about yay tall, fluffy-headed, almost has as much hair, if not more hair, than her sister. She came out the womb that way. Um, I'm talking about our baby, Karis. I know, some of y'all are like, oh my gosh, a baby? Yes, she is not of God, okay? <laughs> not, uh, it's a joke, okay? But you'll get what I mean in a minute. Because, y'all, like, I ask her something like, do you love God? Are you, are you, do, do you love Jesus? She's like, nope. <laughs> do you want some Cheetos? Nope. Do you want a corn dog? Nope. Do you love daddy? Nope. Like, that's her favorite word. <laughs> like, I wish she had a different word. Like, she, y'all, she loves, like, she loves her mama. She lo- she really does. Like, she loves her dad. Daddy, daddy, daddy. Like, she loves, papa, papa. With my pa- with father-in-law sitting in the room. Like, she loves, like, he comes in the room. Ice, papa. Like, she, she has these words, and it's so cute. And her big old belly sticks out, and she is the cutest little thing. But when she tells me no, y'all. There's just something inside of me. Come on, somebody. I'm just like, what is wrong with you? Somebody teach you a different word. <laughs> like, she doesn't know yes. She doesn't know. Like, literally, we will offer something to eat, and you know, she knows she's hungry. She knows she wants some milk. You want some milk? We can warm it up 20 seconds in the microwave. It's perfect. Vitamin D, come on, somebody. It is so good, and she knows she wants it. Baby, do you want this? Nope. You see, I feel like Jesus is dealing with a bunch of caresses. <laughs> a bunch of 18-month-old, nope. <laughs> why, why do I say that? I know that's a funny story. Simply because of the fact is we've got to get to a place where we are people that mean what we say. Because my little girl doesn't know what she means. And she doesn't know what she says. Because she really does want those Cheetos. She really does love her daddy. She really does want that milk. She really does, but her mouth speaks different, differently than her actions do. Oh, come on, somebody. Am I stepping in something? We've got to get to a place. When we say we're going to do something, we're going to do it. When we say we're going to come through, we're going to come through. Let it be said of us, church, that when we say we love people, we actually mean it. We've got to get to a place where we actually live this thing out. In fact, can I encourage you today? I believe it is time for us as a church to be, not that we haven't been, let me, let me really push that. It's not the fact that we haven't been, it's just the fact that we need to more than ever, now in today's society, in today's culture, now more than ever, we have to be men and women of our word and of his word. Come on, of, of our word, meaning this, that we are going to be people of integrity. Meaning this, that we are going to be people of honor and character. That no matter what we go through, no matter what our situation may look like, guess what? It is not going to affect our witness. It's not going to affect, can we say it like this, our face. Listen, can I tell you, there have been times, there, is, there has been a Wednesday night that I can point back to where me and my wife are having a discussion. Conversation. It's okay. We still love each other. <laughs> like, like, it is knock out, drag out, like, I don't like you, you don't like me, but I love you. <laughs> Just love you so much. <laughs> it has been times like that. But guess what? Wednesday night, we know what that's about because we show up with Jesus on her face and not letting anybody know that we just got in a knockout, drag out, oh my gosh, I don't like you right now. <laughs> because we can't see eye to eye just for the moment. But that doesn't mean we throw in the towel. 
and that doesn't mean that we let it affect our witness because there are people in our lives that deserve our very best. That doesn't mean that we have to put on a mask. That's not what I'm saying. But that means that no matter what we go through and no matter what my situation or circumstance may look like, my witness is for him and for somebody else. That no matter what, I'm gonna live this thing out. I love what, what just the, the, the idea what Jesus is saying that if you're gonna be a follower of me, then when you say it, it holds value. That it's not just flippant. Oh yeah, I'm a believer. Hey, do you love Jesus? Yeah, I go to that church. No, 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 I didn't ask you that. No, it's, it's not just something that we throw out just by happenstance or coincidence or yeah, that's just, no, no, no. Is that who you are? Like, are you a believer? I had to look this up uh, a, couple, a couple years ago. It's not a couple years ago. I thought this was like an old hymn of the church. Turns out it was actually written in 2006. Um, so I know some of y'all are like, that's not that long ago. I, I know. I had to look it up. But there's a song out there called In Christ Alone. And there's actually several different renditions and things like that. But in the course, it says these words. In every victory, let it be said of me. In Christ alone. Like, like church, let it be said of us that when people talk about New Hope Church, oh, you go to that church? Yes, I do. What have you done for the kingdom lately? Hey. Step over here. <laughs> Come on, it's, it's that type of thought process that, that when people talk about this church, oh, they know what we about. Come on, they, when they say your name in our community, what do people say of you? Come on, what, what, what is it that when people think of you, oh, they immediately think of Jesus. They, they immediately think of a man of honor. They immediately think of a, a woman of virtue. Come on, they immediately think of the Christ in you rather than what you've done in your past. They can immediately point to what God has done and redeemed through you for your witness to be somebody that God has called you to be. Let it be said of us, church, that I'm gonna do what God's called me to do, that I'm dependable, that I'm trustworthy, that I'm loyal, all attributes that Jesus exemplified. And if that's something that he exemplified, guess what? It's something that we should do as well. So now Jesus continues his teaching, and this is where I wanna hang out today. In Matthew chapter five, verse 38, it says this. You've heard the law said again. He points this out, that the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Verse 39 says, but I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to the other also. Listen, I don't know what Jesus uh, was thinking here. Uh, I don't know what patch of grass he was sitting in, if you, you know what I'm saying. Um, I, I, don't know, I don't know if he was hanging out with Judas during this time. I, I, I'm just, I'm not sure. I don't know if Jesus didn't get much sleep the night before, and he's just saying, hey, y'all. If somebody slaps you in the face, oh, just turn to the other one. Hey, you forgot one. Here you go. There's two more if you want some. Here you go. Oh. That's a second service only kind of. No matter what, like, Jesus, like, I, I, don't, I don't know about this teaching, Jesus. Like, this is a little weird. Like, turn to the other cheek as well. Excuse me. But watch this. He, he continues on. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken, oh, just give him your coat too. It's okay. Watch this in verse 41. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. 42, give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Luke chapter 6, 31 is actually a parallel scripture to this. The golden rule, you may have heard it before, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Treat people how you would want to be treated, if you will. I love that verse 41 passage because there's, there's actually some explanation with this. In fact, John Ashcraft, he's, he's one of the campus pastors over in, uh, at CT Church over at Houston where Pastor Chris and Megan are today. And, and I, he actually wrote a book called Second Mile Leader. And he was here a few years ago on a Wednesday night and he preached this message. And he laid this out. Roman rule actually explains this, that if you are walking on the same road 
whether in the same direction or the opposite direction. If a Roman soldier, a person in the army, if someone of Roman rule or Roman authority told you, hey, I need you to pick up my gear and carry it for me, law, rule, said that you had to carry it at least one mile. For them, it would have been a thousand paces. No, no argument. And if you didn't, it was punishable. Like, they would get lashings. They would be punished, thrown in jail, maybe even death. But it was one of those things that you had to do it. You didn't have a choice. You couldn't say no. And so I could imagine if somebody asked me, hey, stop what you're doing. Hey, can you uh, put your priorities aside for just a moment? Hey, can, uh, you know what you're in a hurry doing right now? I need you to stop that. I need you to do what I need you to do. Gosh, okay, thanks a lot. You know, like talk, talk about a day ruiner, a plan ruiner. Get your priorities out of line because you got something better to do, like carry my junk. Thanks a lot. But that was law then. That was rule. And Jesus is saying, hey, 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 forget that. Oh, I don't have to do that anymore? No, 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 you, you gotta do it. But don't just do what's asked of you. Oh, come on, you see where I'm going? Don't just do what's expected of you. Like when the thousand paces are over and you have a choice and you got the opportunity to just say, here's your junk, good luck, have a great day, your mom, right? Like, <laughs> you don't have to do that. In fact, Jesus is saying, redirect it, change it up, curveball, keep going. Keep going. Like change their mindset about who you are. You want to change their mindset about somebody in this community and what they think about this church and what they think about you? Go the extra mile. Come on, be nice to somebody in the Walmart parking lot when they pull in and they take your spot. See that? I'm waving. It's a wave. It's nothing else, nothing less. It's a wave. Pastor Weston, that's so hard. It is, I know. But it's what Jesus has called us to do to go the extra mile, to go above and beyond, to not just stop with what is just asked of us, to not just stop with mediocrity, to not just stop with just half-button it all the time and just saying, oh, this is good enough. No, 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 you don't walk into your job and say, well, I'm just feeling like kind of giving half effort today. No, I'm gonna go all in, I'm gonna go all out, I'm gonna give my very best because I wanna earn a paycheck. And if that's the case with our job and our career, you don't walk into Christianity Christianity as a believer and say, well, God, I'm just going to kind of be half in and half out. I'm just going to kind of, you know, give in to mediocrity. No, I'm going to go above and beyond because that's what Jesus has asked of me. And if that be the case, I'm going to do everything I can and everything God's called me to, to, to be who he's called me to be. Pastor Wesson, how can this really happen? Can I really truly carry this out? Or how can I practically do this? Number one, be available. We gotta be available. Because sometimes when Miss Connie or Paige or maybe Sierra calls you or emails you from the church office and you got our emails notifications on silent because you're unavailable, because you got better things to do like clean your shop, I'm not saying that happens. I'm just saying like sometimes it may, like something may come up. Like you gotta mow your yard during health fair. It's, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that happened here. I'm just saying sometimes like stuff comes up. Well, Pastor Weston, I, we, got, we got tournaments this weekend. I, hey, listen, I'm not saying stuff can't happen. Listen, I got three babies too. Like, I'm not saying you can't go on vacation. Praise God, go on vacation, but take Jesus with you too. But, but sometimes when, when the church calls or an email comes through and you make yourself unavailable, sometimes we need to just check our priorities. Can I be real today? Can we be honest? That's why we release a church calendar out like months in advance. That's why we have announcements. Oh, I may need to write that down. Instead of saying, I'm unavailable. Phone on silence, you know what I'm saying? No, no, again, I'm, I'm not saying that that happens. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. I literally, whenever I was thinking about this, I was not thinking about anybody in particular. I was just, wow, God, how many times do, do 
my, my priorities get in the way of your priorities? Like, honestly. How, how many times do, do I need to, instead of making my family a scapegoat, bring my family up to the church with me? Like, how, how many times do we just give in with the excuse of, well, it'll be okay? How many times do we make ourselves unavailable when we have an opportunity to serve and go the extra mile for our community? Are we willing to bring water to the least of these when it matters most? I'll never forget, there's a young man in our youth group in Alabama uh, when we were there for about three and a half years. Um, it was an incredible church, but I'll never forget this young man, Austin Glines. I, I told him I'd give him a little shout out. Um, i never forget Man, every Wednesday, I'd get there about 4.30 in the afternoon, and, and this, this little dude show up, man, and he was uh, obnoxiously willing. <laughs> um, he, he was on my hip, y'all. Like, before COVID, and I had the excuse of six feet, he was right there. I was like, hey, bro, you need to back up. You were like, you in my square. You in my bubble. I need you to just <laughs> stop it. Get up, you know. But he was always, he was always there. Like, I'd be walking up, and I'd be trying to have a conversation with someone. Like, hey, man, what's up? And he'd just, like, awkwardly be standing right there, like, like, are you, he, he looks like he's in a game. You know what I'm saying? You know those people? He's, like, just in this, like, bouncing, like, stealth mode, just like, that's, that's, that's what he did. And sometimes I was like, bro, you got you to gotta back up, bro. <laughs> like, I'm trying to have a conversation, and you're looking awkward. You know what I'm saying? Like, awkward turtle type stuff. Like, I'm like, dude, get out of here. That, that's been a while since somebody had done that. Sorry. Anyway, um, I'm ADD sometimes. But what I love about Austin, even though I fault him for it, that, that was his best attribute. It's because he was available. This dude cleared out his schedule. He didn't play sports. He didn't do anything else. That dude was up there at 4.30, ready and willing to surf. He was just there. And sometimes I had to, I had to help him with his priorities because your, your availability doesn't mean you have to be awkward and obnoxious. And so I said, hey, bro, here, this is what you can do. When I'm in the room, I need you not to be. And now I know, I, hear, hear me, I know some of y'all are like, what? That's weird. You're mean. No, 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 watch this. That just meant because he had enough of my DNA and he knew enough about the culture that we were trying to produce when I was in a room, I don't need two of me because that means one of us is not necessary. So I said, hey, if you wanna be like me and you wanna do what I do and you've seen what I've done, when I'm in the worship center, I need you to be in the game room loving people like I would be there. When I'm in the game room, I need you out in the lobby. When I'm in the lobby, I need you outside. Everywhere that I am, I need you to be somewhere else so we can reproduce and recreate the culture that we are trying to establish. And sometimes we get, get to this place where it's like, well, Pastor Weston, what do you need me to do? What do I gotta do to serve the church? You know what? All we need is somebody to just say yes and be available. And Austin was available. And he was willing to just submit and say, hey, just, hey, I'll do anything and everything you ask me to do, just as long as I get to be a part of this kingdom and what God's trying to do. It actually makes me think of 1 Kings uh, chapter 21. Elijah is at this mountaintop moment. And many of us have heard this. We've actually preached this and spoke about it several different times. I know Pastor Blaine has given it during prayer. And, and we point to this, this monumental moment that happens in Elijah the prophet's life in 1 Kings. And he's on this mountaintop moment and he hears and sees the fire and the, the wind and, and all this crazy stuff happening and the earthquake. But in all those scriptures, it says that God was not in it. But the, all of a sudden there was a still small whisper and that was the voice of God. And often we, we point to that as an example. I know I've done it and say, wow, that's good. That's powerful, isn't it? But then, what does God say? That's what I want to know. What did God say in the still small whisper? Well, one of the things that he told Elijah to do is go find Elisha. And in verses 19 through 21 of chapter 21, we see this. It's not in your notes, but I encourage you, go read this scripture. All of a sudden, Elijah shows up to Elisha's house to call him up, right? To call him to come follow him and all that he was going to do. And, and what I love about this scripture is Elijah shows up, Elisha's just doing his thing, he's farming, he's with the last team of the day. 
In fact, the Bible says he was with the 12th team. That's got some meaning, and I want you to look that up. He was with the 12th team, the last team of the day, farming. Elijah walks up, takes his coat off, puts it on Elisha, foreshadowing the future of when he would put his cloak and his mantle of anointing on Elisha later when he would be taken up into heaven. And all of a sudden, Elisha, now knowing who this man of God is, this prophet is, seeing what has been done, and he's just like, a little kid in a candy store. Does <gasps> this mean what it really means, what I think it means? Oh my gosh. And he goes and he asks, he asks Elijah, hey, did, are, are you sure? Like, did this just really happen? Like, this, I make this look good, you know? And all of a sudden, Elijah says, go back and take care of what you need to take care of. He runs home, he, he kisses his mother and father goodbye, tells him that he's leaving, he's going to follow the man of God. And what he does next, church, is monumental and life-changing. And I never caught this before. But he goes out to his plow and his oxen, and he makes an altar right there. The Bible is full of altar moments, monumental moments, this seal the deal moment, especially like signifying that, man, what just happened is a God thing, is a good thing. Like I just, I, I was just called. But you know what, church? I think it means a little bit more than that because what happens is he burns the plow and he kills the oxen and then he takes the oxen and he feeds the townspeople with it. And then he left there and he went to follow Elijah for the rest of his days. What I love about that scripture is that Elisha was saying, I'm not coming back. I've got no excuse to come back to. I love my family. I love my parents. But that is not what God has called me to do because there are more people that need to know about God, that need to see God in flesh. And if that's what God's called me to do, then I don't want an excuse to come back to. I'm all in, baby. I wonder how many of us sit in here today and we've got some excuses to come back to that we need to get rid of and burn and say, I'm not going, I'm not doing it. I'm not gonna have this as a backup plan. I'm all in, Jesus. I'm going all in for you. And if that's what you've called me to do, then have your way in me. I'm available. I'm available. I love that scripture. We've just gotta get to this place where we know when God calls us, we're simply in a posture to receive what he has to say to us. Jesus continues on in verse 43. And I believe Jesus was very intentional about putting these two passages back to back next to each other. These two topics of discussion. He says, you've heard the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Oh, Pastor Weston, this is where I got to draw the line somewhere. You don't know my enemies. Well, you don't know my God. We've got to get to this place where we say, Lord, you are bigger than my enemies. In fact, your love is greater than the hatred that I have for the people that get on my nerves. Love your enemies. In that way, you will be acting as children of your Father in heaven, children of God. For he gives his sunlight to both evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love those who love you, what reward is there for, you, for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anywhere, anybody else? Even pagans do that. Y'all, even an unbeliever can love somebody. So let it be said of the church that we will love the unlovable that we will love the people that no one else will choose to love. Let it be said of us, we will go the extra mile. We will do what God's called us to do and be who God's called us to be. Let it be said of us, church, because, because when it comes to this passage, this is where it gets really sticky. This is where it becomes difficult because we often can throw in the towel and say, no, 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 you don't know who I, who, who I have beef with. You don't know who I may have problems with. But listen, even the world can love people. Even the world, watch this, I'm gonna step on some of your toes. Even the world can redefine love and take it on as a mantra. And guess what? It's the new, hottest, hittest thing that we can jump on the, bag and, the bandwagon with. 
Oh, yeah, it's the thing to do. Love, pride, love is love. That's the, that's the big thing. Listen, even pagans and unbelievers can take love and it becomes something that is something that we give into all the way. A pagan can love somebody, but what is it said of the church? Do you love people? No, they're my enemy. Therefore, I hate them. But Jesus is trying to help us understand that we need to redefine that, that we need to shift in the right direction, that no matter who comes in my path, no matter who I cross paths with, no matter who I may encounter, I will love them because God has called me to go the extra mile for them. No matter what they look like. You see, the kingdom of God has no prejudice. The kingdom of God has no discrimination. The kingdom of God has no specifics. The kingdom of God, the church of God, has all different nationalities, backgrounds, ethics, and everything in between. What are we doing when it comes to loving people? Jesus knew what he was doing. The question is, if we're called to do that and love our enemies, number two, are you willing? Because oftentimes we say, oh, Pastor Weston, I could, you want me at the church? Oh, I'm there. Hey, it's easy, to, it's easy to love people at the church. Oh, hey, what's up? Hey, how's it going? Good to see you. But what about Walmart? What about your gym when you walk in and you've been waiting for the squat rack the whole time and it's like, dude, you've been over there an hour. Now you're doing curls? Sorry, some of y'all don't mean I can't. <laughs> but what happens when somebody is getting on your nerves? When somebody is, ooh, aggravating the snot out of you. Oh, come on, that's, that's, that's Cajun, the snot out of you. <laughs> when somebody has just made you mad, cut you off on 190, you're on your way to raising canes, come on, somebody. The Lord's chicken. May not be Chick-fil-A, but it's, you know, it's still Lord's chicken. But, but whatever the case may be, how, how do you love people? Because we can say that we may be available sometimes. But when it comes to like where the rubber meets the road, are you really willing? Are you willing? Are you willing to sacrifice your pride? Come on, can I be honest? Are you willing to sacrifice your insecurities for the sake of someone's eternity? I love what 1 Peter says, chapter 5. Be shepherds of God's flock that are under your care, watching over them, not because you must, not because you have to, but because you're willing. Because you're willing. God, as, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over to those who are, are entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And let me just say, can, can we simply define the flock? The flock is not just church people. The flock is not just church people. The flock is not simply people that you like or love or are easy to love. No, no, no. The flock is everybody. Everybody. You know what the Hebrew word for everybody is? Everybody. <laughs> I didn't have to go to Bible college for that one. It means all, y'all. All. So no matter what comes my way, God has called me to love the unlovable, to love my enemies and to love my allies all the same. I love what 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, he says this, I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. Again, y'all, there are no specifications in the kingdom of God. When Jesus said all, he really meant all. He really meant everybody. From your neighbor to your circles of influence to the people that you don't have influence with. Come on, from, from your crazy coworkers that get on your nerves that you know need Jesus. Hey, don't think of them right now. You're thinking of them. You're thinking of them. Come on, I, I'm, ta I'm talking about the people that really just, that may bother you. Come on, your, your crazy Catholic cousin. Come on, them too. They need Jesus too. Let's be honest. Everybody. My youth pastor, Johnny Hunt, says it this way. He was my boss there for a time at Celebration. He says, everywhere you go is somewhere Jesus wants to be. Everywhere you go 
And this is the same principle that we're going to teach our students come this fall. And our teachers and administrators alike, coaches, you know this to be true as well. That in the hallways of the classrooms and the schools that we walk in, we need Jesus most. Everywhere you go is somewhere Jesus wants to be. Everywhere you go is somewhere Jesus wants to be. So your willingness to serve is often on your posture to listen. Are you willing? Are you, are you available? Because we often don't hear the direction of God because we're not in a posture to receive from God. We're not in a posture to, we're, we have so many things and so much stuff going on around us that we are drowning out the voice of God and he comes in like a small whisper and says, hey, child of God, I'm talking to you, hello. But yet we're not ministering to the least of these and bringing water to the least of these because we're not, we're not ready to listen. We want to make ourselves available and often we say we're willing but are you willing to just shut everything off and shut everything out sometimes and just say, all right, God, you have my attention, all of me. Lord, I, not only do I want to make myself available, but I want, I want to make myself accessible to you. You have full access. Because number three, and Pastor Tisha, you can come up and make me sound more spiritual. We may be willing to listen and lead where God tells us and desires us for us to be. But number three, I believe we have to be persistent. We have to be persistent in our pursuit. Because oftentimes I feel like we just throw in the towel too easily. I never forget, I'll tell you a quick story. I never forget when we first moved here, I went with Pastor Chris to, to Walmart. And I don't know why I use Walmart as an example. But Bud Plake, he's one of the pastors over at Crossroads, he says this, um, your church should look like Walmart. In fact, I don't know if you know this or not, but the kingdom of God looks a lot like Walmart. People from all different backgrounds, creeds, people that, that may not look like you, smell like you, talk like you, but at the end of the day, they need Jesus just like you. Pastor Chris and I walk in and he just felt led like God told him laid on his heart right then and there to pray for a young lady that was coming in in a wheelchair and I've seen him do this before that it was literally like hey can, can I pray with you when's the last time you asked somebody to pray with them right that's why I said I'm not doing that are you listening are you postured looking for opportunities to be the light, to be salt and light, like we talked about a few weeks ago. Beatitudes. Pastor Chris asked the mama, the young lady's in the wheelchair, he says, hey, can I pray for your daughter? I feel like God laid a word. I, I, want, I want to pray for her. Can I pray with, with her? And the mom said, no. Pulled him straight up, cares. Nope. We walked away, and that was it. Wow, that was a heartfelt story, Pastor Wesley. Thank you for that. I want to go to Walmart and get shot down. <laughs> but can I tell you, it's not about the amount of times you get shot down. It's about the amount of times you're willing and being obedient. And in that moment, Pastor Chris was just simply being obedient. Because you never know the seed you may plant. Or the seed that God's already planted that he's just called you to water a little bit. That, he, that he's just simply called you to show a little attention to. You see, we get up on this platform and we can speak about the highlight moments often. But sometimes it's when we're in the most vulnerable and when we miss it sometimes where we get the most life lessons. I just, I saw my pastor not get shot down, but I saw my pastor that was just willing and available. And he was obedient. He was willing to step out in that moment. And it showed me that my pastor is a man that is going to come through. And his yes is yes. And his no is no. That's who he is. 
you don't get something that's different off the stage and on the stage, black and white. No, no, no. He is a man of honor, integrity, character, and I know I can count on him. A man of virtue that's going to come through. It's the same set of you, church. It's the same set of you. That you are persistent after the one on purpose, for a purpose. I love how Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says it. And we've talked about it before. And Hebrews chapter 1, uh, chapter 12, verse 1 is, is on the screen. But I didn't include verse 2. But, but I feel like it's, it's important for us to understand. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, to let us also lay aside every weight, the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that so easily entangles us, the stuff that slows us down, the stuff that trips us up, the stuff that messes us up, the stuff that we have an excuse for that we can come back to, that we're called to burn and get away. But watch this, let us run with endurance. Can I tell you the NLT version and the ESV version and the NIV version, all the different versions of the Bible, endurance is in there every time. You wanna know why? Because that's what we're called to run with. This persistent pursuit, this consistent pursuit, this all enduring. You wanna know how to, how to define this persistence? It is this continual, it is this consistency, and then it is also this enduring, just pace that we run with that no matter what comes my way I'm gonna keep running and then watch what verse 2 says looking to Jesus he's our fuel oh come on he's our source our very help and present in time of need he's the author and the perfecter of our faith verse 2 says who for the joy set before him He endured the cross, scorning its shame. He, he knew what was coming. He, he knew the weight that this would take. In fact, he told, he told his heavenly father in the Garden of Gethsemane, his, his flesh kind of came out a little bit, and he said, Heavenly Father, if there's any other way, please let it pass for me. I don't want to do this. I don't want to. Who, who in their right mind would want to carry the cross? But then all of a sudden, I believe it was thoughts of you and me that made him say this next statement, but Lord, alas, not my will be done, but yours. Because it ain't about me. It's not about me. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame. And because he was willing to do that, he is now seated at the right hand of the Father of God. Watch this. Luke echoes this sentiment. In chapter 9, it says, Then he said to the crowd, If anyone wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Oh, come on, it doesn't say weekly. Come on, it doesn't say every Sunday when you walk in, hey, how's it going? Got my cross. But yet tomorrow morning, you're gonna put it back down so you can hang out with your coworkers. Come February and Mardi Gras, it doesn't mean you get to put this down like you take on a mask and you take it off. No, 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 take up your cross daily and follow me like Jesus was willing to do. Why? Because when you pick up your cross, it looks like something, church. It sounds like something. It's gonna, it's gonna impact those around you because you walk in a room and someone says, there's something different about you. We have to be available. We have to be willing and we have to be persistent after the one because when we are, it changes the atmosphere around us and people ask, what is it about you? And if we're honest, we just say, I'm just being obedient. I'm just being obedient as my, my example did, as my Savior did. Come on, this doesn't feel comfortable. This isn't, this isn't easy. But Jesus never said it was going to be easy. 
He never said, he never promised convenience. Come on, Walmart is gonna feel awkward sometimes. Come on, your workplace is gonna feel awkward sometimes. The school campus is gonna feel awkward sometimes. But can I tell you, when you're willing to do it, there's a soul on the other side of your yes to the cross. It may get heavy. It may be inconvenient. But are you willing to just simply go the extra mile for someone that may not know Jesus like you do? It may not be the easy thing to do, but I'm willing because someone needs to hear about Jesus just as much as I needed to hear about Jesus. Can I tell you, church, our consistency to live pure and our persistence to help others become pure will be the test to see if the Jesus inside of you is really worth pursuing. If people wanna know how to follow Jesus, they should be able to look at you. Come on, they should be able to look at this church say there's something different about that church sometimes people are going to say what they want because they don't understand until they come experience who God is really truly I'll tell you one last story and then I'll shut up many of you probably heard this illustration or this example before but it's too good not to share this man and his family were walking down to a beach and I'll never forget there's, there's a sunset it's beautiful, it's gorgeous. They walk down to this beach and they got the beach all to themselves. It's perfect, it's clear, it's gorgeous. Just imagine with me this scene as the family's getting settled and they're putting their stuff down and man, this is so great. They're gonna go get in the water and everything. When all of a sudden the mother looks down to the right and down the beach and she sees something really chaotic and weird going on and brings the attention to her husband and says, honey, I'm, I don't know what's going on, but you, you may need to go say something or do something. Something's, something's happening. And out of concern for his family, he, he said, oh, okay, okay. And he starts to walk down the beach. And the closer he gets to the situation, the more vivid the picture becomes. There's this old man shirtless, sweaty, nasty. His, his skin is almost so dark and wrinkled from the sun and you can tell he's been out here for hours, if not all day. He's been doing what he's been doing all day. And the closer that the husband, the father, gets to this crazy looking man, the more he realizes what is happening. And, and the closer he gets to this man, he. He now begins to step on all these starfish. And, and they're few and far between, but now like they're coming more and more abundant now. And, and now he is, he's literally stepping on starfish because there's no, there's no other place to step. There's no, and, and he's trying to be careful and he's trying to be mindful, but, but yet he's, he's still stepping on all of them. And the closer he gets, the closer he actually sees now that, that this old man, for whatever reason, for whatever purpose, is picking up these starfish one at a time and he's throwing them back into the ocean. One after another, after another, after another. He is literally picking one starfish up at a time and throwing him into the ocean. He has no equipment. He's got nothing with him. He's got no towel. He's got he, just literally some shorts and his effort. With ambition and mission on his mind, one after another, he's throwing these starfish into the ocean. And finally, this guy speaks up to this deranged old man. He says, excuse me, sir, what are you doing? Unfazed, unbothered by the conversation that is now beginning, he keeps doing what he's done all day long, and he's throwing these starfish into the ocean over and over and over again. And he says, sir, Excuse me, I don't want to interrupt you. Obviously, you're a little busy, but what are you doing? 
still unfazed, one after another, he picks up a starfish and he throws it in the ocean, picks up another starfish and he throws it in the ocean. And finally, and out of frustration, the guy's trying to get this old man's attention. He says, sir, what are you doing? My family and I are here trying to enjoy ourselves and you're being crazy. You're insane. Why are you doing this? Surely you don't understand or you, I, I can't, I, you obviously can't fathom the concept, but you can't save them all. And with that statement and that remark, men throw, the old man pauses, freezes, and he looks at the man in the face and he says, I may not be able to save them all, but at least I can save this one. And he throws it in the ocean. And he picks up another starfish. He says, I may not be able to save every single one of them, but at least I can make a difference for this one. And he throws it in the ocean. And one after the other, he repeats himself. I can make a difference for that one. And I can make a difference for this one. And I can make a difference for that one. Church, let it be said of us that we may not be able to save our whole community. We may not be able to save the whole world, but at least we can make a difference for the one that is in our path. God called you to? Who is the person that's going to cross your path today? Who is the person that you may see today that you know is struggling, that you know needs Jesus, that you know you can make a difference for? And I'm not saying you got to call down fire and brimstone and say, you need to get saved today. No, I'm just saying, how many times do you tell random people that you love them and that you care about them and that Jesus loves them? When's the last time you offered prayer to somebody that you know that needs it? When's the last time that we simply went the extra mile for a community and said, we love you and we care about you and I will do anything and everything in my power to make sure that you know that I may not be able to save my whole world but at least I can save my world let it be said of me that if I don't make it to heaven I missed it but if my family doesn't make it to heaven then I really missed it it starts with them and then it trickles down to the least of these, church, to the least of these, to those in your path, to those you know and don't know. Are you willing? Are you available? Are you willing to be persistent, no matter what, to go the extra mile above and beyond to those who need to know Jesus? Every head bowed and every eye closed. You sit here today and you say, Pastor Weston, I, I want to go the, the extra mile. I want to go above and beyond. I want to I say the right things. I want to do the right things. I want to be the example that God's called me to be. I feel convicted. I feel encouraged. But, but you know what? I, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to say it. I don't know how to live it. You sit here today and you say, you know what? I, I just, I don't know Jesus like I think I should. I don't know Jesus how, how I know I should. I know I need to live this thing out in front of my friends, in front of my coworkers. Maybe you sit here today and you just, you feel convicted enough to say, you know what, Pastor Wesson, I need Jesus more than ever before in my life. Listen, we're not gonna call you up, we're not gonna call you out, we're not gonna embarrass you. If you just say, hey, Pastor Weston, that's me, I just simply want you to open up your, your hands in your lap like, like I'm handing you a gift. You don't have to do it high, just right there in your lap, just saying, that's me. And we're gonna pray this prayer together out loud as a family, leaving no one out, leaving no one in this room feeling like they're alone. Come on, can you pray this prayer with me out loud? Say,